Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. All right. I'll admit it. I'm confused. I am very confused. Two subjects, and I'll take all the help I can get. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, people? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Today has turned into an Arturo Fuente Maduro masterpiece Hemingway kind of day. It would be Hemingway Masterpiece. Hemingway Masterpiece Maduro. Arturo Fuente Hemingway Masterpiece Maduro. Yeah, that's a nine-inch cigar for those of us playing the home game. I don't know. Everything just seems beyond nuts. I feel like I, I was having this conversation earlier about Trump and the indictment and, of course, the, the grand jury. is like, eh, not today. You know what? We're done for today. We're not even being called. Maybe they're going to call tomorrow. Maybe they won't. Who the hell knows? I just feel like we're all in this in this twisted kind of time loop. Who needs this crap? There, there are real things going on out there. We should discuss them. And I feel like we've been just so... It, it, it's, it's only Wednesday. That's, that's the crazy part. This whole story started over the weekend. It's only Wednesday. We feel we've been dealing like with this Trump indictment talk our entire lives. That, that's what happens. It sucks you in. Every time I want out, they pull me back in. The only good line from Godfather 3. That's it. Rest of the movie, total junk. Shame for making that film. But there's equal crazy. There's a story about Wellesley Co- College. Wellesley College is an all-women's school. Where the student body passed a ballot initiative on gender inclusivity. And it was looking to overhaul gendered language they deemed potentially offensive. Replacing terms such as women with students, she, her with they, them, and alumni as opposed to alumni. Like alumni, like bay, B-A-E. That's right. I know street things. Wellesley College is a women's college. And now these women are so woke, they won't even admit that they're women. Sorry, I'm going to need some bourbon to go with the cigar. They will not admit that they are women. That's nuts. I don't know what to do with that. I I would love to give you some witty commentary to him. Like, oh, that Tony, he really scorched them. Dear Lord, they are a women's school that's just said, eh, being a woman. What am I supposed to do? I'm sorry. I sit here before you dumbfounded. I am vexed and perplexed. You tell me what the hell I'm supposed to do with that. What am I supposed to do it with it? Although there is no plan to revisit its mission as a women's college or its admissions policy, this according to the Wellesley leadership, 
discussing uh, this vote. The college will continue to engage all students, including transgender male and non-binary students, in the important work of building an inclusive academic community where everyone feels they belong. I could just let it play for forever. They're they're not a they're not a women's college anymore. They're not a women's college anymore. Yet they won't admit that they're not a women's college, but they've admitted that being a woman is only a state of mind and has nothing to do with actually being a woman. This is what they have said. Hire the Wellesley graduates at your own peril. We were already there. Right. We we already did that. This isn't the only thing that confuses me. I came across a headline over there at Fox and I, and I was looking for some some backup on it. I'm like, what is what is this? The Department of Justice is trying to orchestrate a bailout of Moderna? I'm sorry, I have no idea what's going on. Moderna the, the drug company, uh, they got themselves a, a COVID vaccine. U.S. Attorney David Weiss issued what's known as a statement of interest in a case on behalf of the Department of Defense and Department of Health and Human Services, invoking a law from the 1900s to argue that the federal government should take on any liability for patent infringement Moderna may be guilty of related to the development of its COVID-19 vaccine. You've got two biotech companies that have filed suit against Moderna. Whereas here, the government directly contracts to procure the allegedly infringing goods or services in a contract that grants authorization and consent. The benefit to the government is inherent, this according to the filing. Indeed, the contractor's compliance with the contract's obligations alone demonstrate the benefit that the government obtains goods and services for which it pays. They they created the vaccine by taking somebody else's patent? and created a vaccine? What the, What are you talking about? Well, in early 2022, Moderna, which got over 10 billion to produce the, the vaccine, and of course, they got more uh, as they sold it, two groups, Genovant Sciences and Arbutus Biopharma, accused Moderna of using technology they patented in the vaccine and they want a federal court to award them damages on the infringement. Why in the world would we protect them from this? I I, want to know the argument that they're making, as was just described, as I just described in the case, is that we, the federal government, contracted for this, they delivered, and that alone is proof that they should not be found liable for something they may have done that's egregious. I didn't know the law worked that way. I'm going to need a second cigar. I'm certainly going to need a second drink. And if you know me, you know I'm not even going to finish the first drink. I'm just going to order the second drink because I want to try something else. You know that. I'm a sipper. I'm not a drinker. I am a sipper. I am not a drinker. 
I don't finish the drink. I know, I know. And and I have learned that people hate me for it. Because they'll be like, come, have a drink. I'm like, okay, I'll have a drink. And then they're on drink number three, and I'm still on drink number one. And they're like, what's the matter with you? They want you to drink along with them so they don't feel bad about how much they're drinking. And I don't even think they're drinking that much. It's that I drink that little. But on the cigars, uh, keep up, bitches. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to say. This is a crazy story. And so I, I take this story, and then I see that Senator Rand Paul, he had uh, Stefan Bancel, I think you pronounce it Stefan, it might be Stephanie, for all I know, uh, French, uh, and uh, he's the CEO of Moderna. And so he is in front of this Senate committee. And you've got you you've got Senator Rand Paul. He's in front of the Senate Health Committee, and you've got Senator Rand Paul asking questions. I have the whole thing. I haven't heard it yet, so I wanted to do it with you, if that's all right, if you don't mind. And like, because if you forget how good Rand Paul is until you hear him, and you're like, wait a second. Man, he's the guy who just ripped apart Dr. Anthony Fauci, ripped apart the CDC, and for all of us, we're all better off because of his questioning and his tough questioning and his understanding of the situation. So you've got Rand Paul with the CEO of Moderna, which very possibly infringed on other people's patents and are looking at the DOJ to try and get them out of a lawsuit. And here's the senator saying, hey... Can we talk about myocarditis? Mr. Bansell, uh, Moderna recently paid NIH $400 million. Do you believe it creates a conflict of interest for the government employees who are making money now off of the vaccine to also be dictating the policy about how many times we have to take the vaccine? Good morning, Senator. Uh, indeed, we recently made, a, before Christmas last year, a $400 million payment to the NIH for uh, an old patent that they had developed, not related to COVID, but useful in the development of a COVID vaccine uh, to, to pay them for their work. Uh, it's for the U.S. government to assess how that money should be Do you think be used. it creates a conflict of interest for the same people deciding the policy of how often we have to take the vaccine to also be making money the more times we take the vaccine? Yes or no? This is for the government to decide. Senator. You have no opinion on whether or not it creates a conflict of interest? Is there a higher interest or a higher incidence of myocarditis among adolescent males 16 to 24 after taking your vaccine? Got it. First of all, the, the whole first part, you're paying for development of, of, of the vaccine, right? Are you paying for an old patent that they had developed not related to COVID, but used in the development of the COVID vaccine? So you're taking in these billions, you're giving uh, the NIH millions, and Rand Paul's asking a rational question. Do you think there's a conflict? And he's like, well, I don't know. I can't tell you what the definition of a woman is. I'm not a biologist. Basically was his answer. Myocarditis has been the, bu the buzzword. And myocarditis is this inflammation of of the of the heart inflammatory cardiomyopathy 
uh, an inflammation of uh, the heart muscle. And myocarditis has been one of the big conversations as a um, result of the COVID vaccine. So Rand Paul's question to the CEO of Moderna, is there a higher interest, I, I should say a higher incidence of myocarditis among adult adolescent males 16 to 24 after taking your vaccine? So thank you for the question, Senator. First, let me say we care deeply about safety and we're working closely to, with the CDC and the FDA. To Pretty get- much a yes or no. Is there a higher incidence of myocarditis among boys 16 to 24 after they take your vaccine? The data have shown actually, I've seen, sorry, from the CDC actually shown that there's less uh, myocarditis for people who get the vaccine versus who get COVID infection. You're, you're saying that for ages 16 to 24 among males who take the COVID vaccine, their risk of myocarditis is less than people who get the disease. That is my understanding. That sir. is not true. And I'd like to enter into the record six peer-reviewed papers from the Journal of Vaccine, the Annals of Medicine that say the complete opposite of what you say. I also spoke with your president just last week, and he readily acknowledged in private that, yes, there is an increased risk of myocarditis. The fact that you can't say it in public is quite disturbing. Do you think it's scientifically sound to mandate three vaccines for adolescent boys? This is for the public health leaders to decide. You've been advocating for it, you've been interviewed, and you've been advocating for boosters. Do you know when the myocarditis is most common among these adolescent boys after the second dose? When I spoke with your president, he readily acknowledged in private, yeah, that maybe there ought to be a discussion whether we ought to have one vaccine versus two versus three. Now, I will tell you that I am amongst the people who, if you as an adult decided to get vaccinated, I don't think any less of you, I don't think any more of you, if you decide not to get vaccinated, I don't think any less of you or any more of you, people make decisions. The whole idea of children being vaccinated and the push from the federal government to get children vaccinated, I I find to be a sinful endeavor. And while parents may have decided to get their kids vaccinated, I don't get it at all. I don't. When I know of women in their 20s who haven't had children yet, uh, gosh, I hope the best. I do. My fears of what we might see, not that we will see it. I would have no way of knowing if we will see it. It is a fear of what we might see. You needed more data on that one, kids. When I see colleges that said, well, to come back, you have to be vaccinated. I would have told my kid, you're not going back. That's it. Dad, I'm 20. I can do what I want. (laughs) No. You want to fight? Let's fight. I don't ever think you've seen dad be crazy. Want to watch? But I'm an adult. Sure you are. Sure you are. I mean, admittedly, they are an adult, but no. Ah. Oh, the belief you can control your children. This is Rand Paul doing what Rand Paul does. Just bringing the data.
If 90% of the myocarditis comes after the second dose, why don't we have a rational discussion about one? Marty McCary, a physician from Johns Hopkins, has said exactly the same thing. It's been discussed, and yet we have this ridiculous notion from the CDC. So the CDC says, and I'll ask you this question. Let's start it as a question. Your 16-year-old's had COVID. Your 16-year-old gets better and now has recovered from COVID. You vaccinate them and they get myocarditis. Are you going to give them two more vaccines? Your child, give them two more vaccines? I'm not a clinician. I will have to discuss. You have children. I do. Have you vaccinated your children? I have. How many times? Three or four times. Three or four times. So the CDC recommends this, and, you know, you're obviously someone who's self-interested in the outcome here. But the CDC says that if your 15-, 16-year-old gets COVID, recovers, takes a vaccine, and gets myocarditis, is hospitalized with elevated heart enzymes, and is very sick, the CDC says as soon as he gets better, vaccinate him again. You know how many American parents think that that's a rational, reasonable thing to do? Do you know how many countries don't do this for children? Uh, Sweden doesn't offer the vaccine for kids under 12 unless they're at risk for severe disease. And I agree with that. I'm not saying never on any of this. You should never say never on any of this. You should say no to any level of government mandate. And you should say yes to parents making the decisions for their kids, which, of course, involves the recognition that parents make decisions for their kids. But I'll get into that uh, later. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Talking about China. How do you see it, uh, China's role in Russia and what they're doing now? This goes back to the debate that, you know, we have to talk about this in a way that we understand that there is nothing China would love more than to see Russia win this war on Ukraine, Um, because a win for Russia is a win for China. These are two countries that have named and two dictators that have said they are unlimited partners. We need to remember that. They chose those words carefully. You look at the images today. That was very intentional. This is the new axis of evil, with Iran being their junior partner. What we have to do is stay focused. We have to have the backs of Ukraine. That doesn't mean we have money or troops, but we have to finish this because China does not want that. And what we have to make sure of is when Ukraine wins this war against Russia, that will send a message with China that wants to take Taiwan. It'll send a message to North Korea. It'll send a message to Iran. We have to finish this. This is not a territorial dispute. This is a fight for freedom, and it's one that we have to win. The whole territorial dispute That's her going at Ron DeSantis. But there's a really important story in here about President Xi Jinping, uh, dictator Xi Jinping, meeting with um, Vladimir Putin. And that is, if this had happened when Trump was president, we'd be told about how the forces were aligning against us and Trump was asleep at the wheel. 
The forces are aligning against us, and are we really prepared to fight? Oh, there's a whole question about military readiness. We'll get into it. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. So the Secretary of State, his name is Anthony Blinken, he was testifying on the president's budget. Hey, look, somebody's got to try and make sense of this thing. He's in front of Senate appropriations and saying, hey, you know, uh, uh, this is this is a good budget. This is a super important budget. This this is this is everything. And uh, I mean, he had a lot of truly impactful things to say. Of course, as you know very well, we've had an almost perfect storm that's built up uh, between um, climate change, between COVID, and of course conflict, and now exacerbated dramatically by Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Well, as long as you've mentioned climate change in there, I guess you got it all understood. Man, the concerns about woke are super duper real. And it doesn't matter that people are like, oh, you use the term woke. That shows you're unserious. Sure, dude, man, whatever. Whatever. Since you've been called out on what woke actually is, the bigotry that it entails, the hate that it encapsulates, and most importantly, taking one's eye off the proper goal, uh, you realize that woke is terrible. I'm so glad now if we can get it removed from the business world via ESG and DEI, we'd be doing terrific. Oh, wait, we want DEI in the military? We want DEI in the State Department? Settle down. I'll get to it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, guys. There are a lot of stories out there. I mean, there's a tremendous amount uh, going on. Like, for example, the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, that is the husband to uh, Kamala Harris. She's the vice president of the United States. What? What? That's a that's a that's a true, true story. (laughs) All right. it's, it's, It's funny. She's really, really bad at the job. But she does have the gig. (laughs) Doug Emhoff is Jewish. And because he's the second gentleman, all of a sudden, he's the go-to guy to talk to about all things Jewish. And he was on a trip to Eastern Europe, and that had him discussing the Holocaust. I met one woman who was saved in the Holocaust in Germany, settled in Ukraine, and is now a refugee again back in Berlin. And then he continues, hate is interconnected. You see it in the discourse in this country right now. You see it in the divide that we have. Just going to school meetings, you see that hate that is out there. Wait a second. Is Doug Emhoff... The second gentleman, the husband of the vice president of the United States, is he comparing the people who are questioning what's going on in their kids' schools to Nazis? Is he making a comparison between that and the Holocaust? Because if he is, well, I shouldn't say if. Well, he is. And the Holocaust is not a prop. The Holocaust is not a prop. It's not your political prop. It's not something you get to pick up and utilize when you want to make some kind of ridiculous point. The Department of Justice referred to parents as domestic terrorists. And here comes Doug Emhoff, the second gentleman to say, a lot of hate out there at school board meetings, just like the Holocaust. You twisted, Tony. Don't say it. I know how you feel, Tony. I'm you. I'm just saying, don't say it. 
Well, I know you should be allowed to say it, Tony. I mean, after all, it's totally what's on your mind. It's what's on everybody's mind. And you should be somebody totally unafraid for saying or to say what it is you want to say. But there are some things you just don't say because you got to take the high road. This isn't about the high road. This is about not getting fired, Tony. You know it and I know and everybody else knows it. You know exactly what you want to say about Doug Emhoff, but you won't do it because you don't want to be fired. It's true. I don't want to get fired. But you're not making it any easier for me not to get fired because if I said what I wanted to say, I would most probably be fired and then I'd be the first guy in history to be fired because he was right. Tony, you wouldn't be the first guy in history to be fired because you were right. You would be in a long list of people who got fired because they were right, but that doesn't mean you say the thing that gets you fired. Wait a second, are you now agreeing with me? I'm not really sure. The Holocaust is not your political prop. So if we could not utilize it as one, that would be very much appreciated. Thank you. Then there's the story of Beyonce. Beyonce, her tickets for one of her concerts, through the roof. And I, I, is this all the fault of Ticketmaster? Is, is, and how is it possible that we can't beat what Ticketmaster has going on? This seems impossible in, in today's world. But it seems that when Beyonce goes on tour, for example, in Dallas, tickets for the floor are $900 to $1,000. So this woman who is a content creator, I guess, on, on TikTok, Mercedes Ariel, I don't, I don't know her. I, I, so that, I'm not saying I condone or condemn. I just don't know who, who she is. Um, she saw Beyonce and Jay-Z on the On the Run 2 tour in Paris. And she got floor seats for 92 bucks a piece. And she's figured out the system for how you look to Europe to be able to get, well, tickets at the same price. So Taylor Swift is going on the Eras tour and that whole debacle. People couldn't get tickets. People were on, on hold for hours. It was a total mess. You had the pre-sale and this and that and, and, and the other crazy, crazy stuff. Just so we're clear, no matter what Taylor Swift says about her Swifties and, and loving her fan base, uh, the rich people got access first. I just want to I just want to say for the record that the rich folk got access first to Taylor Swift and everybody who works hard to be able to enjoy some Taylor Swift content left out in the cold. I mean that's what it certainly looks like from here. Back to this woman Mercedes Ariel. She's figured out that if she goes to see Beyoncé in Stockholm, the hotel and the flight and the ticket are less than seeing the show in Dallas where she's from. Now, she happens to have some points that take care of the hotel. So that's really an unfair kind of comparison. But conceptually, it is fascinating. You mean I can spend $1,000 to see Beyonce in Dallas, Texas, or I can spend $1,200, go to Amsterdam, or I'm sorry, Stockholm for a couple of days. I don't know. I guess I got Amsterdam on the mind. I don't know. Why else would anybody have Amsterdam on the mind? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bag of weed, a bag of weed. Oh, everything is better with a bag of weed. It's the only nothing you'll ever need because everything is better with a bag of weed. What would you rather do? Dallas for a night 
or Stockholm for three days. That's fascinating. That is fascinating, and I, and I love the 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 thinking in in this. In that uh, people can have a better experience, and that's what you want. You want the experience. I saw Eric Clapton in Jerusalem. It was Jerusalem. I was a teenager. I was there for a uh, youth group trip, six weeks, and Clapton was playing. We went to go see Clapton. Sorry, that's awesome. If you ask me where I would rather see Eric Clapton, Jerusalem or Madison Square Garden, I would tell you I'd like both. But Jerusalem is pretty awesome. Experiences matter, and this is super cool. Speaking of experiences in Idaho, in Idaho, um, there's a bill to bring back the firing squad. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. There's a bill requiring a firing squad as a method of execution when lethal injection is unavailable is going to the governor's desk, a 24-11 vote in the Idaho Senate. The issue? Idaho is currently unable to obtain the drugs needed to carry out a death sentence by lethal injection. So the firing squad would only be an option when lethal injection drugs are unobtainable. Unattainable. Unattainable. Not unobtainable. Unattainable. Um, you know that I am not in favor of the death penalty. I should qualify that, though. I am not in favor of the death penalty until all DNA evidence has been exhausted or DNA opportunities have been exhausted to find evidence. My issue is not that there aren't some people who deserve the death penalty and not that there aren't juries that choose the death penalty. My issue is that when you have somebody who is given the death penalty, is killed, and you later find evidence that exonerates them, I can't sleep at night. And we hear these stories, and this has happened. Look, I I am not anti-cop. I'm anti-bad cop. And if you're a cop that withheld evidence... And that's what led to somebody getting the death penalty? You should get the death penalty twice? And you say to me, how does that work? Please, you don't want to know everything going on in the cabeza. It is just to say that I cannot think of anything more despicable. You have to exhaust every bit of DNA analysis in cases where there is DNA analysis needed before you engage the death penalty. I just... I don't see how that's not I don't see how that's not done. If that isn't going to be done and I don't care about the cost. I don't want to hear about the cost. I got 27 social programs I will cut right now. I don't care about the cost. We're talking about somebody's life and the state taking it improperly. So if you can't do it, the answer is we don't do the death penalty. It's not because some people aren't awful, horrible, disgusting people it's not because they've given up on being decent folk and civil society it's not it it's that you have to be right you have to be right and i'm not willing to risk it that's my take but all of this started with a conversation about anthony blinken the secretary of state you want to talk about the difference between right and wrong you want to talk about not being right Check this out from the Secretary of State. 
The budget will advance our efforts to modernize the State Department, including by expanding our training float, uh, updating our technology, carrying out diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility initiatives, including to make our overseas missions more accessible. I'm grateful for the progress we've already made together, including Congress's support in updating the Secure Embassy Construction and Counterterrorism Act and Accountability Review Board to give us some of the flexibility that we need to open new missions and better manage the risks that we face. Yeah, we're screwed. I did a story, was it yesterday, uh, that the military uh, has more obesity and more type 2 diabetes because of COVID? Because people were at home and had nothing to do, so they ate, and they got tubby. And nobody on the federal level said, you know what, exercise, because people who are overweight do worse with COVID. It's one thing we know to be true, and everybody understands as actual science, so do some sit-ups, and you'll be better off. We're going to modernize the State Department by carrying out diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility initiatives. We are screwed. We're focused on all the wrong things. We're focused on none of the right things. Oh, DEI is, of course, bigotry. Equity is absolutely bigotry as they describe it. It doesn't bring everybody up. It pushes everybody down. It doesn't allow people to excel. It holds people back. Diversity doesn't allow for diversity of thought. These people are not inclusive. I was sharing a story today about um, Cummins, which is an Indiana-based company, and how they're opening a, uh, a, a center in Atlanta to attract talent. It's going to be for supply chain and some other things. All right, fine. Makes, makes perfect perfect sense. But they're doing it so they can be near the Georgia Institute of Technology, and they can be near historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, and they can attract talent from there to really achieve their diversity goals. I'm sorry, were you not hiring the best and the brightest for Cummins before? Can I ask how you built all that stuff before? Cummins people, uh, the, the, the engines, the, 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 would you call them power plants, generators, components? That's what they build. You need smart people to build these things. Are you telling me you didn't hire uh, the best people? You only hired the whitest people? I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm saying you should go about hiring the best people. But you don't have to tell us about it. Just go hire them. You put out an announcement about opening this hub to show everybody how cool you are and diverse you are. and, And aren't we great? And please love us. Dude, just go hire good people and stop talking to me. Build good engines for a solid price and stop talking to me. That's all you got to do. I don't want a diversity, equity, inclusion effort from the State Department. I want recognition from the State Department that China is the enemy and here's how we're going to go about destroying them. That's what I want. Can your DEI effort help me with that? If it can't, not interested. Good Lord. Good Lord, people. They asked me, Tony, why do you drink bourbon? Hmm, I don't know. Have you met Anthony Blinken? Maybe that's why. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Looks like Newsmax is coming back to DirecTV. Look at this. Look at this. Programming to resume shortly on DirecTV, DirecTV Stream, and Uverse. Tony Katz. 
Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. I'm actually scheduled on Newsmax a little bit later today. Like every Wednesday, I do. I don't know. And then there's some other stuff thrown in there. Reaching a deal, a business agreement, uh, as is written, for a multi-year distribution deal that will return Newsmax channel to DirecTV and the rest. That's going to happen on March 23rd. Newsmax recognizes and appreciates that DirecTV clearly supports diverse voices, including conservative ones. As a standalone company, DirecTV gave Newsmax its start nearly a decade ago, as it continues to do with upcoming news networks, which is why we are pleased to reach a mutually beneficial agreement that will deliver our network to DirecTV customers over the next several years. Translation, we got some money, we're cool. DirecTV's statement... This resolution with Newsmax resolving an all-too-common carriage dispute underscores our dedication to delivering a wide array of programming and perspectives to all our customers. Translation, we made a deal. I mean, that's it. It was always about the money. It was never about anything but the money. And here we are. Could it have been about the programming? Yes. It could have been, but they made a deal. So it wasn't. It was about the money. Now the money's been settled. Move on. As for Newsmax, um, I'm liking some of the things that they're doing. I, I think they still have changes to make. I think they still have some some serious room to, to grow in. But they've carved a space, and they can really work the space. And I do think that it can be a, a money-making operation, and I do think it can be a solid news operation. And on the website side, I, th- I think it is. I think the TV takes some more tweaking to find your place. But I'm... I'm certainly hopeful that they're going to find it. I'm glad they're back on DirecTV. Find everything, TonyKatz.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.